I'm Lisa and this is Afford Community Podcast. The date is Friday the 31st of March. Coming up on the podcast today, I have some tips, advice and useful numbers to help with the cost of living crisis that many of us find ourselves facing. We have an interview with the Afford and District Men's Shed. I've got details of activities and events to look out for during the kids' Easter holidays. I also have a quick chat with Evelyn at Evelyn Treasure Finder 2. I've also got a load of details of events going on in and around the village, as well as a little segment about the Eurovision Song Contest 2023 and some exciting sporting events us Scots have to look forward to this year. So muck out your lugs and stay with me for a wee while.
with Evelyn at Evelyn Treasure Finder 2, who's just reopened today on 39 Main Street, Afford, after an eight-week break. Um, Evelyn's got some lovely pieces in the shop, haven't you, Evelyn? Well, thank you very much for popping in, Lisa. I'm delighted to be able to show you our new stock. We've got um, some lovely pre-loved clothing. We've got uh, fabulous jewellery. And, of course, the shelving has all been done by Kyle. And the lighting has been uh, updated from Ali Crawford. So we've actually got a terrific looking shop now. I think it's looking fantastic. Be. It's looking fantastic, Evelyn. We've got something for Abadie, really. Yes, indeed. Because we've got, uh, as I've mentioned, the clothing, but we've got bits and pieces for our menfolk as well. We've got a nice uh, little rail of fabulous uh, jumpers and golfing bits and pieces for them. We've got records and vinyl. We've got some little historical uh, items that men tend to love to collect yep and then of course in the other we've got four rooms in fact in the fourth room we've got china and glass and kitchen area and interesting collectibles from oh the 40s right through the 70s and 80s right up to modern oh it sounds fantastic and well worth a visit folks if i do say myself so what is your opening hours then evelyn well we've decided to change them slightly lisa and close on a Monday and Tuesday. So we're going to be open Wednesday to Saturday, 10 till four. And for the people who like to come out for a wee cuppa and a run on a Sunday, 12 till four on a Sunday. On Tuesday, I popped up to the Afford Men's Shed to speak to the gents about how the shed started how it's grown and what projects they have going on up there. I was given a tour around the shed and grounds by John Reed, who is the secretary of the shed and has been ever since the inception of the shed way back in 2013. The first place I was shown was their metalwork area and that's where I met Richard, who was working on a stunning metal gate which he had developed from scratch with the help of Lewis the Welder and the other chaps. And I couldn't believe the intricate detail that was on this gate. It was really amazing to see. I met a couple of the other guys as well, uh, Wooly and Alistair. And Wooly was telling me that he liked to fix up tractors and he had recently sold a Ford 6600 tractor that he had just fixed up and traded in for a Land Rover, I believe, which he plans to fix up next. Um, and on speaking to Alistair, it turned out that he knew my late dad as well, which was just a small world, really. So the next place I was taken to was the woodwork area, where I was shown a beautiful epoxy resin table that Stephen was working on. And here he talks about the process it took to get that table to what it is at the moment. Basically, you need to decide on what type of timber we're going to be using. In this case, it's the U. And um, then you need to create a frame, mm -hmm. seal it, it put a plastic uh, tape, like parcel tape, to each old, mm -hmm. seal the inside and seal the outside of the frame to put your, your chosen dimensions for the slab to fit inside so you've got the space. Mm -hmm. And then clamp it down, mix up your epoxy resin. Okay. Usually it's two to one ratio, which is, means uh, 
two parts to one part of harna. Okay. And then just you can add mica powder and then you can pour it in with it set for two to three days ideally. Okay. And then there's a lot of sanding after you've taken it out of the frame and basically that's it. Right, okay. And I noticed that the, the, the colours are amazing that you've it's, got there. The colours uh, you can get to the mica powder. This is like a, a kind of pearlescent. Oh, a, per a pearlescent, did you say? Yes. It's fantastic. And so what have you got left to do on the table then? Basically, it's just to get the table connected, the legs onto the table. Mm -hmm. And then give it a final coat of uh, lacquer or sheen, whatever you, your desired effect you want okay. to fit. And are you going to sell it after this, or is this no, for this no? is for my mum. It's for your mum. Okay. Yes. And oh, is it going to go into her living room then? Is yes, it? Yes, it oh, is. Oh, fantastic. She doesn't want to see it until it's finished. Oh, no, and of course uh, not. And I, I would have loved to have seen it as well. So hopefully I'll be able to see a picture of yes, it once I it's shall done. Yes, I'll send a, I'll shall send a, a some photos for you. Ah, super. Thank you, Stephen. Okay, no problem. Next, John took me out to the sensory garden, which is such a lovely space. He had said that some people do like to come to the garden to just sit on the benches and have a bit of peace and quiet or read a book. Um, and he wanted to encourage the wider community to come and do the same and make use of the sensory garden. We headed up past a greenhouse and past the orchard, which con contains 60 trees, which were sponsored by the community. Uh, next, we walked up to uh, the Poly Tunnel, which is accessible for the disabled as well, um, where they were housing uh, beds for growing things. Um, some of the beds were raised, uh, which was useful for the disabled members as well. And it's £20 for a bed, and there is a small waiting list. Next, John took me to the allotments, which were really well maintained. Um, and they were fully ready and prepared to house whatever the members wanted to grow for the coming year. So they had full-size allotments, half-size or quarter, with the fertiliser bins at the back of the allotment. Uh, then we headed back to the shed and I had a chin wag with all of the men. Right, so today I'm here with the gents at um, Afford Men's Shed. Um, I'm joined by John, Peter, Richard and... Dog and Tom, um, and I just really want to find out uh, what it's all about and how it all started. So, John, you're the, the secretary here. Um, how did the idea come about for the Afford Men's Shed? Well, Jason Schroeder, who was the uh, facilitator for uh, Aberdeen Voluntary Action, um, came out and gave a presentation on Men's Shed in December 2013. Okay. And from that meeting, a steering group was set up um, and we became a constituted group in January 2014, and then a formal charity, a Scottish Charitable Incorporated Organisation, in January 2015. Okay, and how did the idea kind of develop from there to the start of the, the project for the shed to develop? Well, we looked around the village to find suitable sites, um, and there wasn't anything immediately available, but we were aware that the school was being moved and we were aware that this building uh, was available. So um, we did a walk around the village, the original trustees had a walk around the village. We decided that this would be an ideal asset for us and we started a community asset transfer process to take over 
the building and the ground to the south of the building. Right, okay. Um, and that, um, the actual work on the ground, when did it start? Well, we, we, our community asset transfer was successful on the 4th of July 2018. Okay. We then had to put plans in for uh, approval to the Aberdeenshire Council, and the, pl the planning came through in February 2019, okay. um, and we started work, um, you know, very quickly after that. Right, okay. And um, what I was going to say is that I, I see that there's a lot of projects going around, and you've shown me around today, um, and it's, it seems to go that it's gone from a very small um, idea to a, 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 f a huge project um, very quickly. And you, you seem to have a lot of facilities. Were they already in place? Um, or was there a lot that you had to bring to the space um, for it to, to get to what it is today? Well, the first thing we had to do was to um, sort of repair the building um, and convert the external area. So. The external area is very much as I just demonstrated to you across the fence, and we need we won a contest um, greener spaces, better places uh, with Stuart Mill, and we were able to get 1,000 tons of topsoil, which was the basis for our sensory, for our orchard. We then had local farmers who were very helpful in ploughing and harrowing the area to the to the south, which was football pitches, which are now our allotments. We were fortunate to get some grants which allowed us to provide a polytunnel um, for, for the raised beds that we have and through the work of many of the members we have achieved what we have today in terms of refurbishing the building, insulating, waterproofing the building, putting 21 kilowatts of photovoltaic power on the roof and refurbishing the building to the standard that you see today. That's fantastic. That's a lot of work um, in the space of a, quite a short time as well. Um, I was just wondering, how, how many um, men actually attend uh, the shed? On, on average, we get about sort of low 20s, 23, 24, that, that sort of number, okay. um, every Tuesday and Thursday. But it varies. We have about 30, 35 people who come on a on an intermittent basis, I guess. Okay. And then we have about 80 members on our, on our mailing list. Wow. So that's, that's, that's the sort of numbers we've got, yeah. So I think in terms of a men's shed, we're quite well supported. You are indeed, yeah. 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 Um, I think one of the, the ideas that I want to get out to the public is, um, you know, that the shed is here um, for, for the men in particular, but obviously the public is most welcome you know as well because i don't think a lot of people know about the shed being here um or where you're based and what you actually do so i mean i've seen the, the projects everybody's working on i've seen your your gate today i haven't seen it in full <laughs> but i'm really looking forward to seeing right, the okay. end product okay. but um what sort of um other things do you work on and i've spoken to john today already about some of the the things that you work on here but if you could give me an idea of well, there's one guy who's unfortunately not here because he works in the summer as a, on the uh, campsite. Okay. But he's made a uh, part for a spinning, a spinning wheel. Oh, yes. Which is pretty quite complicated, really. Mm -hmm. We were quite pleased we were able to do that. We used, had to use the uh, metalworking lathe and some of the woodworking equipment as well to make that. Okay. Uh, this is an antique spinning wheel that he's repaired, so that's good. Um, as well as that, we have quite a lot of people who do woodworking projects, and there's a guy making a table at the moment. Yes, I saw that as uh, well. Which is very nice. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 So, um, and then, uh, you know, we've got a big gifted a motorbike and a car. Oh, 
So we're in the process of repairing those and getting the uh, MOTs yes. to get them operational again. So we do quite a range of the metalworking, woodworking, repairing machinery yeah. and so on. So it's, it's quite a... And I suppose a, um, uh, different people bring different abilities to, the, to, the, to the job or the you, project. You talk about my gate, but I've never made a gate in my life before. Or anything like it. No. Uh, and because there's two or three people, one's a blacksmith, you know, one's uh, a metal worker by profession. So they, they've helped me, who had no knowledge when I started, yeah. to weld and to fabricate a gate. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pleased with that. Yes, definitely. So um, I'm speaking to Lewis now at the Afford Men's Shed. And he was telling me um, about why he really started coming to the Afford Men's Shed. But um, Lewis, do you, um, you were telling me about why you had first came here. Yes, over the last five years I'd found myself uh, becoming a little bit reclusive. I've been a long-term sufferer of bipolar, a uh, mental health condition, and as I say, for half a decade I'd been keeping myself to myself. And then one day I came along with my mum to help her at her allotment and had a little nosy into the uh, mechanical side of the manshed. And there was a welder. And I love welding, I love motorbikes. So one thing led to another, and I now come here two days a week, and it's been one of the best things that's uh, happened with regards to my mental health for a long time. That's great. Um, that's yeah, great that's to hear. Your socialisation is wonderful. Yeah. That's fantastic, and I, I think a lot of men, uh, possibly in the village and all over the UK, maybe feel like that as well. You know that they haven't got anywhere to to come and you know that have this kind of camaraderie and social interaction mm -hmm. so i think that's where the the men's shed's amazing mm -hmm. really um and uh, you were saying that you, you run the facebook page yes, for the, yeah. the men's shed um and it must be quite an, an upkeep you know um, with everything that's going on here i've tried to do as much as possible um we sell most of our stuff through through the facebook page mm -hmm. uh, and over the over the last what two years We've probably raised about two thousand pounds through that. Oh, that's it's quite an important revenue stream that comes in largely influenced, managed by by Tom. You know, mm -hmm. um, particularly things that come in and have got quite a considerable value, and and we can sell on at really good prices. And sometimes things need a bit of fixing, but we've got a huge range of skills. Yeah, well, amongst I mean, amongst you all, you must bring something to the table. I mean, I've seen so many different of you, you know, welders, um, uh, the guy that's uh, worked on steam engines, but he's really good with um, metal work, you know, intricate metal work. Everybody seems to bring something to the table. And it Who's that? That's, that's Alistair. 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 Alistair Gold. Alistair Gold, yes. Yeah. 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 He's a very quiet man. He is. Yeah. But very skillful. Yeah, yeah, I think you all have a, a really good. Except me, I, I've got nothing. <laughs> Except for signing the checks, is it? <laughs> <laughs> That's difficult sometimes. Yeah, I bet it is really difficult. Don't yeah. be modest, Peter. You're good with the spreadsheets, aren't you? We, good can, at, good we can't do that, can we? <laughs> if I could say one other, but I'm, yeah, I'm an engineer, but I'm, I'm that strange kind of engineer who can actually do anything, <laughs> <laughs> except design things and and. Uh, and, and act as a consultant. Well, that's always handy as yeah, well, isn't yeah. it? And you, you know, know what they say about a consultant, the man who uh, borrows your watch to tell you the time and then sends you a bill. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh well, at least you bring your own set of skills, <clears throat> though. Eh? And, Lewis, you were saying... Yes, going back to mental health, one of the reasons, I must admit, I hadn't come down to the shed, uh, people said, oh, you should go down, it'll be good for you. And I, was, I had a little misconception 
that there'd be a lot of people wallowing in perhaps their issues that they had. And often, you know, in the past, I've been to um, groups that were focused around mental health. Whereas when I came down here, the great thing is I haven't found the need to tell anybody. Oh. I know that I could, if I had a bad day, I could say to someone, oh, I'm having a bad day. Oh. But the mental health oh. isn't the focus. The fo I've actually found things to do, which has made the mental health issue so secondary that it's almost disappears when it, well, it does disappear when I'm here. Yes. It, it doesn't, you know, doesn't come into play. I think the important thing is that um, we, we all have mental health issues to a certain degree. You know, like bipolar, you know, there's, it, unlike autism, I'm sure there's a spectrum. I mean, I'm sure I'm slightly bipolar. Yes, I think it's... And, and uh, you know, to talk about it is extremely important. Well, that's it. And this seems like a, a perfect place, you know, for for men of all ages, not just um, like the, the older generation, you know, it would be a great place for the younger men, you know, well, that don't know point. how to yeah. communicate, yeah. you know. We actually need to bring in really junior people around about 50. <laughs> <laughs> junior at 50. No, the, the, the constitution says it's men, in fact, it's not just men, women too, we've got a couple of uh, lady members um, from 18 upwards. And, and it would be good if we had some younger members as well. Yeah. That's a difficult one to, I think, to pull off because, you know, if you're 18 or 20s and you kind of look around and, and the, the group is elderly or middle-aged and above mm -hmm. you, uh, it's, it's a bit off-putting. We did, we did try Saturday mornings, but all we got was two or three people, which is yeah. not, not really what we're looking for. No, no, you're We need a, a crowd of people. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, it costs quite a lot in terms of heating yes. and lighting um, uh, and of course with the energy crisis last year um, it just it's impossible to open on a Saturday morning which is a pity because a Saturday morning opening would would bring in a lot of people I think eventually yes. could do it regularly I know it's a shame that um, that many more people didn't come you know because I think that especially the younger men um, would benefit from mm. from actually being around not even just um, to work on projects, but even to just be around the older guys, you know, um, I think that that would help some of the young people around here as well, well to have that kind of advice. There's, there's skills within the group that young people can't access now. That's it, We've yeah. got really skillful woodworkers and you know, up to cabinet making standard. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and those, the basic carpentry skills, I don't think kids get a chance, even at technical college, to learn. No. Learn, learn how to use machines, power tools, of which we've got loads as mm. well. Mm -hmm. But we've got to watch safety as well. We've got well, to that's it. You've got to be within the, the legal safety yeah. guidance as well. But, I mean, I think it would be a great opportunity for the youngsters of men and women um, to come up and see what you actually do. Because I think if they did come up and see what, what you guys get up to, I think they would think, well, that... That, that looks like kind of fun, you know, um, and maybe that would be something that in the future you want to mm -hmm. look to to get some more members as well. So. We did think about evening uh, opening yeah. on a Tuesday and a Thursday, so really the place would be warmed up and heated, mm -hmm. so it would only be lighting it's going to cost us anything. Yeah. Yes. So it's maybe possible. Yeah. Also, I mean, evening openings uh, or Saturday or even Saturday morning and evenings, it means people who are still employed yes. can come, whereas they can't really come during, during the week. During yes. the week. So anyway, we're constantly thinking about that. Um, the energy things, we've just 
um, that's a separate conversation. Uh, uh, what we've done about a renewable energy system. So, uh, could maybe talk separately to John or, or to Richard about. Yeah, that. I think that would be a great conversation. Because we're it's just coming to the stage where it's now installed and adjusted and commissioned, and we're beginning to get the benefit of it. But yeah, it's quite detailed, so we'll talk about it later. That's fantastic. Well, thank you guys for for having a wee chat with me. Okay. Um, it was great to come up and see what you're all about, um, and I, I just think it's a, fa a fantastic facility to have in the village. And although it's called a men's shed, we're quite happy to have more lady members. Fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to what the guys had to say about the shed and how it all started, and I just really enjoyed the morning, seeing what they were getting up to up there. Um, the last guy that I met uh, was John and he was working closely alongside Alistair on a project that was set to help his daughter and his son-in-law. John was telling me that his daughter and son-in-law were local medieval character actors and his son-in-law most often had to wear extremely heavy coats of armour and had difficulty lugging them about. So John had found out about a medieval baby's crib and he was setting about converting it into a cart for his son-in-law to carry his armour around in. So when I met John, he was looking to fix his medieval wheels onto his cart, and that's where Alistair's expertise was to come in, fixing the wheels to the axle to go onto the cart. Now, I believe they were having some difficulty, but as I was leaving, I saw them both working to resolve the issue, and I cannot wait to see the final result and John has promised to send me some photos. The first part of the cost of living segment is how to cut down on your weekly shop. So remember, a supermarket's job is to make us spend. They lay out their stores in a purposeful way that will lure us to spend more money than we actually want to spend. For example, regularly bought items tend to be spread out over a large area, so we have to pass many other tempting items before we arrive at the things we actually came in to buy. Often big branded food items are at eye level, and a little known fact is that these manufacturers of the big branded products pay the stores to put them at customer eye level. This is so the customers see them first and are more likely to buy them over store-owned brands and other low-key branded products. So look high and low is a great term and you might just find a product just as good, um, just as tasty and a bit cheaper. So here's a few key pointers um, for doing your weekly shop. Always write a list whether you're visiting the supermarket or doing your shop online. Check what you actually need over what you want. Plan your meals. I always kind of have some idea what meals I'm going to cook for the week because we don't tend to stray away from the meals that we really like. Um, check your cupboards and your freezer for what you already have and can use and then write down on your list what you need. And once all that is in place, you're good to go. So I suggest where possible you bulk buy the likes of pasta, rice, pulses, tea bags, things that have long shelf lives um, and that'll go along with your meal plan and that'll maybe keep your weekly shop down and you're not over buying. 
Um, again, buying bulk washing powder or toilet roll will keep the weekly outgoings down too. Next, freeze meals where possible. If you make a big pan of soup or a pan of mince and tatties or just a, simply a big meal with lots of leftovers, freeze it. That's a meal for another day saved and it's pre-prepared so it's less work. Now, don't go shopping when you're hungry. We all know that you're more likely to throw things into your trolley that you don't need when you're hungry. So do your shop on a full stomach and you're less likely to stray from your list. Another helpful tip is maybe to give store own brands a try. It might not always be the case that the store brand is less tastier or as good quality as the big brands. I quite often buy as does Sultana brand instead of the big brands and I can't tell the difference. So maybe try swapping out just one or two of your big brands for store own and see if it makes a difference to your weekly shop. Also, often food items have a best before date or a use by date and many people make the mistake that they're both the same, but they're not. So food that has passed its use by date, it's not safe to eat and it should be chucked out. But food that is past its best before date, depending on how long past its date it is, should be perfectly safe to consume days after the date. The flavour and the texture may change over time, but it's completely safe. And FYI, I would never eat meat past either of the dates. Another little known fact um, is that you can often pick up reduced priced foods at supermarkets um, during the day which if you take straight home and freeze should be fine or if you need a quick meal that night you don't have to overpay for it. The co-op typically reduce their products around 8pm, Asda reduces theirs around 7 and M&S reduce items between 5 and 7pm whilst Aldi, Lidl and Morrisons seem to have theirs out quite early in the morning. Um, if you do your shop online, most of the tips I've given you apply, so write a list and don't shop when you're hungry, um, for example. But um, one thing that I discovered just recently um, while I was doing my online Asda delivery is that some delivery slots are really expensive at different times of the day. So between the hours of 6 to 11am, they can vary between £3.50 to £5 with Asda. So I find ordering mid-afternoon where it ranges from about 2 to £4 or in the evening where it ranges from about 150 to 375 is much more acceptable. It depends how flexible you are or how quick you need your shop. I find Asda's cheapest Monday to Thursday, mid-afternoon or evening. So check with your preferred online store and maybe switch it up and you might save some money. Now there are always ways to save on items at your supermarkets. Some offer coupons for discounted items or offer sign-ups for schemes in store. I just recently came across an app called Shopmium, which is spelt S-H-O-P-M-I-U-M, which offers exclusive discounts and offers on your everyday purchases, whether you're in store or online. 
I thought it was a really cool app actually um, and there are many just like it so it's just a case of looking around and finding an app that's going to offer you as much as possible. On a more serious note, if you really are struggling with money and struggling to pay for your shopping or meals for you and your family, there is absolutely no shame in reaching out to a local food bank. The Trussell Trust have many set up around Aberdeenshire. Um, there is one in Inverurie and in Bankry, but they are all over the Shire. If you do find yourself in hardship, you need to contact Citizens Advice to refer you for a food bank voucher. You can't simply turn up. Uh, citizens advice are very professional and will listen sympathetically to your needs and they wanna judge you they're just there to help so I'll post the link to the Trussell Trust food bank um, on the Facebook page if anybody needs the information
So the kids' Easter holidays have begun and I don't envy you parents at all. But I do have some details of some Easter events going on that maybe will keep the kids entertained for the next two weeks. So the first thing that I have is the Live Life Aberdeenshire Spring into Easter Junior Pass which is only £12 and it's for the 8 to 13 year olds. It includes access to the public swimming sessions, the weather pitches, sports and courts but it also has um, the likes of uh, Easter sports, uh, 8 to 15 year old boxing fit, 5 to 12 year old fit bus skills, aqua run sessions, fun swims, float fit, family bouldering and access to the courts and pitches. So it's only £12 and if you are on a low income and you can provide proof then you can get it for the lower price of £8. There's also a study break pass for the older kids which is for the 13 to 15 year olds um, and they do have uh, the likes of dropping badminton, basketball, table tennis, um, teen circuits, hit and float fit and loads of other things. Um, so if you want to book uh, either of the passes you need to go on to the Live Life Aberdeenshire app and book it from there. Afford Heritage Museum has museum minis, uh, storytelling and crafts for preschool children. It's running from Saturday, April 8th, uh, Friday, April 14th and Friday, April the 28th from 10 to 11am. It's £4 per child plus £2.50 per sibling and you have to book online. Up at Afford Library at the community campus, they have Spring into Easter 2023 Create and Discover Family Fun, which is coding with Osmo, music and more. The event is on the 6th of April, 10.30am till 12pm. And the same event is on the 11th of April, 1.30 to 3pm. You can book either of the events on the Live Life Aberdeenshire app. Next, you can head up to Boghead Farm at Lumsden, AB 54 4LE, for Lambing Day, Sunday, April the 2nd, 11am till 3pm. You can go and meet the newborn lambs, hopefully see a lamb born, and get a chance to cuddle or even feed a lamb, and they do have refreshments for you. There's no charge, but they do ask for donations to Scotland's Charity Air Ambulance. The lambs are inside but it's advised to wear warm clothing and wellies and unfortunately there is no dogs allowed. Grampian Transport Museum reopened today to the public and on Wednesday the 5th of April they will be running their rides day where the whole family can enjoy a ride on an array of vehicles around the arena. The ride day is included in the standard museum entry price, so you can have a look around the museum too. The rides are available from 1 to 3pm. And also on the 12th of April at the museum, you can go along for some afternoon fun with bouncy castles, pony rides and more. 
You only have to make a charitable donation to get into the event. Aquaplay Scotland are running Kids Outdoor Fun Water Sessions at Midmar Stillwater Distillery and Potark during the Easter holidays. The Midmar Sessions are Monday the 3rd, Tuesday the 4th, Monday the 10th and Tuesday the 11th of April. AM Sessions are 10 to 12 and PM Sessions are 1.30 to 3.30 and the minimum age is 8 years old. The Potark Sessions are Wednesday the 5th, Thursday the 6th, Friday the 7th and Wednesday the 12th of April 2 to 4 and the minimum age is 7 years old. For more information and prices or to book you can email aquaplayscotland.com or call 07 393 If you're looking to take your kids to an Easter egg hunt or Easter egg trail over the holidays, I have details of three. Castle Fraser is running its Easter egg trail on Friday, April the 7th from 10.30 to 3pm. The price is £4 per child and accompanying adults are free. Crathis Castle also has its Easter egg trail on the 7th to the 10th of April, 10am till 3pm. Haddo House has its Easter egg trail Friday the 7th, Saturday the 8th and Monday the 10th of April with a relaxed session on Friday the 7th, 10am till 11am. Normal sessions are 11am till 4pm. To look up more information, head over to the National Trust for Scotland's website and look up Easter egg trails for more information. If you fancy stopping off somewhere for your lunch during the kids Easter holidays there's loads of places around the Shire that are doing the kids eat for free or reduced price on kids meals. Like Asda have got the kids eat for £1 all day every day with no adult spend until the end of the Easter holidays. IKEA has the kids eat for 95 pence daily from 11am. Sainsbury's have the kids eat for £1 with a purchase of an adult meal and the cafes in the Donnell Mill have kids get one mini main, two snacks and a drink for free with any £4 spend after 3pm. Morrison's, um, if you spend £4.99 you get one kid's meal free all day every day. And I have also confirmed with Marks and Spencer's Cafe that they are doing free kids meals during the holidays all the way up until the 14th of April. So there's loads of places around the Shire that are doing the reduced kids meals. So just keep an eye out on the Facebook pages and the websites uh, for any offers. I'm staying in bed thinking back on us and everything that went wrong. Never say goodbye, think I broke your trust, should've known this all along. Don't wanna be the one that you're trying to avoid. I'm feeling so confused, why did I act so annoyed? Cause I don't wanna be strangers, babe. 
For the second part of my cost of living segment, I have some energy saving advice and tips for you. I've pulled some information from the Green Match website and to tell you it was an eye opener for me is an understatement. So during our daily routine, our lives work around electronic devices such as mobile phones, computers and games consoles as well as household items like washing machines. According to greenmatch.com, the average three-person family uses 3,000 kilowatts of electricity a year, which works out at around £850. But did you know there is a hidden cost on your electricity bill? No, I didn't either. So when you leave your electrical appliances plugged in, even when you're not using them, they are slowly using electricity which can work out at 23% of your electricity is going to waste on these devices being left plugged in. So I have a few tips on how to reduce your electricity consumption and you never know, it might save you a few pennies in the long run. (music) 
Did you know that it costs you one pence of electricity to make a cup of tea or coffee? A standard three kilowatt water kettle costs 6p to bring a full kettle, which is about two litres, to a boil. So if you're making three cups of coffee or tea a day for a year, it's going to cost you £60.48. Even when your kettle is switched off but still plugged in, they can draw 30 watts of electricity an hour. So to save on your bills, only fill your kettle with what you need. If you're only making one cuppa, only fill it with enough water for one and then unplug it. A regular microwave, which is 1.5 kilowatts, will cost you about 7 pence for every 10 minutes you use it. And if your microwave has a clock display that's always on, it will be using a little bit of energy. So leaving your microwave plugged in all the time is using electricity, so unplug it. When it comes to washing your dishes, if you have a dishwasher, make the best use of it. Reduce how many loads you are doing on a day. I know it's not fine to have dishes lying around, but if you save them from a couple of meals and just do one load, it will save you in the long run. Putting on a dishwasher for one hour costs you 36 pence. So for every 100 loads, you're spending 36 pounds. And if you think, well, I'll just hand wash them, that's not going to save you any energy because you have to heat the water to wash your dishes and a dishwasher uses 10 times less water than if you wash them by hand. When it comes to bathroom energy consumption, many of us don't realise that the shower is one of the most expensive household appliances to run. If you're having a 10 minute shower, it's costing you 37 pence. That means a daily 10 minute shower is going to cost you around 137 pounds by the end of the year. And realistically, unless you live on your own, numerous family members are having showers throughout the day, which means it's going to cost you much more. The best way to save energy with a shower is to take shorter showers. Reducing your shower just by two minutes can save you on your energy bills. And I know it's difficult to implement, especially if, like me, you have a teen who likes to have a long shower, but it might make a big difference. The list goes on with the tips that I could give you to save on your energy bills, but I don't want to ramble on. So if you fancy having a look into trying to save yourself some money by making subtle changes, I'll post the link to greenmatch.co.uk for your information. When it comes to fuel and energy suppliers, it's best to do a little research before going with a company. Check each one's prices and ask if they do any discounts or have instalment plans. I know that a few oil suppliers do a discount if a few people from the same street or area order around the same time. It's best to see what's on offer. If you're not locked into a contract, then shop around too. Just because you paid that amount this time around doesn't mean you have to pay it the next time.
With the price of gas, oil and electricity being hiked up, sometimes it's taken some of us a bit longer to pay off our bills, and that's completely okay. Now, I'm not saying hold off paying your bill um, and leaving it to the last minute and then contacting your, your oil suppliers or your electricity suppliers. If you've got the money, pay it off, and that's one less stress. But the main thing is that you don't ignore it if you are struggling. Open up the lines of communication with your fuel or energy supplier regarding your outstanding bill. Offer to set up a payment plan in affordable instalments. The supplier must take into consideration how much you can afford at the time. They might not accept your offer, but possibly you can come to a different arrangement that benefits you both. If an agreement can't be reached, then you can get further help. There are all types of grants or schemes available to look into. Uh, the likes of British Gas's Energy Trust Grant, uh, Scottish Power's Hardship Fund. And again, Citizens Advice can point you in the right direction. Or you can go to advice.scot or call 08 08-800-906. And remember that there are warm spaces open to the public all across Aberdeenshire. Um, the likes of St Andrew's es Episcopal Church in Afford is open Wednesday 11 till 2pm. But there are warm spaces all over Aberdeenshire. I think we can all agree that this cost of living crisis is having an effect on many of us at the moment. Um, I have some handy numbers that anybody can call for free advice. So the first one's Citizens Advice. You can call them on 01224 569 750. Also, there's a number for the Aberdeenshire Council Support and Advice Team, which will help with housing benefit, council tax reduction, blue badges, free school meals and other grants and the Scottish Welfare Fund. So if you want to phone them, you can phone 03456 081200 or you can email asat at aberdeenshire.gov.uk. It's, it's difficult right now and I think a lot of us are struggling so phone the numbers and just check everything out. Um, there's, there is help out there for, for everyone. Don't struggle.
There's some great events going on in the village in the month of April. The Cats Protection is holding an event in Afford Village Hall on Saturday the 8th of April from 2 to 4. Admission is £1 or a cat food donation. There will be afternoon teas, home bakes, an Easter egg tombola, bric-a-brac and lots more. So why not go along and support them? On the 15th of April between 10 to 12 there is a coffee morning in aid of Afford Car Transport Services. There will be various stalls including cake and candy, a raffle and blood pressure checking as well. Afford Heritage Museum has reopened today and tomorrow, April the 1st, they have Curios, Collectors and Carboots Vintage and Jumble Sale from 9.30am till 12 noon, so why not pop along and pick yourself up a bargain? On Sunday the 16th of April, between 10am and 1pm, Glenbucket Hall Strathdon are having a car boot sale, pop-up cafe and book sale. You can reserve car boot pitches or a table for books at £10 each and if you wish to reserve, you can contact them on info at glenbuckethall.com. The next event is a charity Kayleigh on April the 22nd, which is a Saturday, between 7 and 11.30pm at Craigievar Hall. There's dancing, stovies, mac and cheese and a raffle with live music from Clach and Yell. It's £20 a ticket for an adult and under 14s is £8 and it's bring your own bottle. For tickets, you can call Catherine on 0794 807 6350 I want to draw your attention to a wee event that I've never heard of but has been seemingly running over the last couple of years up at Cooper Park in Elgin. It's called McMurray Family Festival and it runs over the 29th and 30th of April. They have loads of bands playing at this festival in the likes of Venga Boys, Five, Bewitched, The Bay City Rollers, Big Country just to name a few and they have food and drink stalls too. If you fancy looking into it head on over to mcmurray.com or to book tickets that's m-a-c-m-o-r-a-y dot com. It sounds absolutely amazing.
it's Eurovision season, yippee! But in all honesty, Eurovision runs all year for me. I'm a huge Eurovision fan. I think the term is fanatical. I drive my family and my co-workers mad with useless Eurovision facts throughout the year. And I often forget that I am in a minority when it comes to Eurovision. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. I just love the campness, the pomp and the pride of it all. And I genuinely love the songs that come out of Eurovision and this year is no different. If it's not your thing, maybe fast forward past this segment. I have been listening to these Eurovision songs for months now and I kind of have a clear picture of how I think the contest will go this year. But in the last couple of weeks, there has been some drama with regards to some of the entries, plagiarism claims and claims of national finals being rigged. Loreen, Sweden's winner in 2012, has been accused of plagiarism by Mika Newton, a Ukrainian entrant from 2011. Mika claims Lorene's song Tattoo, which is a Swedish entry this year, is a rip-off of one of her songs. And after hearing both, I would tend to agree with Mika. It's a shame, really, because uh, Lorene's song that won in 2012, Euphoria, was an absolute belter. I'm not a fan of her entry this year, but the whole of Europe tends to disagree with me because Sweden's Lorraine and her entry Tattoo are Buki's favourites to win. Another plagiarism claim is this year's Finnish entry, which by the way is crazy, like crazy good in a way only a huge Eurovision fan would appreciate. I can't pronounce the singer's name, but his song Cha 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 is being compared to one of Germany's Eurovision hopefuls from 2022, Electric Callboys, We've Got The Moves, and again they do sound very alike. But I do really like the Finnish entry this year and it's so catchy and again it's Abuki's favourite. It's been a few months since the Polish national selection for Eurovision and there's still huge controversy surrounding the Polish national selection. The fans' um, favourite, Jan, was tipped to be voted to go to Liverpool with his song Gladiator, which was a banger. But in a nasty turn of events, the eventual winner of the Polish national selection was Blanka with her song Solo, which in my opinion is very generic and unfortunately the last does not perform well live. The Polish nation was in uproar and rightly so, as news surfaced that some media outlets were reporting Blanca had been selected hours before the show even aired, and suspiciously, the jury voting system was changed last minute too. The Polish fans are asking for the results to be made public, and at this time, they still haven't materialised, and to make matters worse, an interview of Blanca has made an appearance with her insulting the more deserving entrant, Jan. She isn't really helping herself. But enough of the drama and on to our entry. I Wrote A Song is the name of our song 
And who are we sending? Well, only May Muller. Who's May Muller, I hear you ask? Well, I'll tell you. Anyone from pre-2010s may remember a little song by Mika called Grace Kelly, which stayed at number one for five weeks in 2007. Have you ever seen the, the start of the video for that song where Mika sits at his piano and talks to a little girl? Well, that little girl is now going to re- represent us, the UK, in Eurovision 2023. I have to say, I wasn't a fan when I first heard it, but it's really grown on me. It's a catchy little ditty, and I'll post the video on the Facebook page so you can judge for yourself. Some other noteworthy entrants are France, which is one of my favourites. It's a classy, sophisticated disco track, and it just makes you want to boogie. My tip for winning is Norway, and it's Alessandra with Queen of Kings, which is just a typical Eurovision banger. If, like me, you're a bit of a Eurovision fan, you can catch the semi-finals on the BBC on Tuesday the 9th of May and Thursday the 11th of May with the grand final being held on Saturday the 13th of May, where we can support May Muller to take it home for the UK. Come on! We've seen some great Scottish sport over the last month. I mean, how excited as a Scottish football fan were you on Tuesday when our boys thumped the Spanish 2-0 at Hamden with two fabulous goals from Scott McTominay. To say our qualification campaign is going well is a trivialisation. We won against Cyprus 3-0, so that's two out of two. Next, we play Norway on the 17th of June and then Georgia on the 20th of June. It's been a great start. Fingers crossed we can continue our winning ways and head to Germany for the Euros. When it comes to the rugby, all I can say is what a Six Nations campaign we had, didn't we? Even my mother was wholly invested in the rugby this year and she doesn't really like sports other than watching Wimbledon over the summer. I mean, Ireland were pretty much on a level of their own, but our boys gave the rest of them a real good run for their money. The first two games were full of full of edge of the chair excitement. Losing to France was a bit of a disappointment, but they are world number two. And that final game was really hard fought. We did manage to take home some silverware, including the Calcutta Cup. So now we're looking forward to September for the start of the Rugby World Cup. We have a really difficult group with the world number ones, Ireland, and fourth ranked South Africa, both in our group. But still, I know the boys will put everything they have into it. Well, that takes us to the end of this month's Afford Community Podcast. I hope some of the information I've given you has been helpful. And if you've enjoyed it, let me know on the Facebook page. Until next month, ta-da! Thank you.